bring them out, bring them out. Bring them out, bring them out. Bring them out, bring them out. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay and Young Vander. What's going on, Fantasy Football Fiend family? We got another action-packed show for you today. I promise you're going to love everything you hear. We're going to talk about draft values. We're going to talk about the people that you can get, where you can get them that's going to help you get that championship this year. Got Young Vander on this episode. I got Bro Joe on this episode bringing the heat. So let's get into it. First up, the news. now your fantasy news so we have all kinds of fantasy football and football news to talk about with preseason being in full swing um kind of having a opportunity to see in action some of the things that we thought may be and um so just a few of things that stuck out um i knew i mentioned prior to that i love debo samuel as a wide receiver um, but I just didn't know if he could stay healthy. It looks like he uh, exited practice uh, early today um, with an injury. It didn't say how, you know, it, it says it doesn't sound serious, but it's just something else kind of adding on to that uh, list, if you will, of, of injuries for Debo. Um, I know, Vander, that's your squad. What you think about that, man? You know, Debo being Debo. Uh, <laughs> you know, he exited today. Um, no official word on the injury itself. Um they say he limped off, maybe grabbing at the hamstring. And, you know, these uh, bigger receivers, these more explosive receivers, they tend to get those lower extremity soft tissue injuries. Um, he just happened to get a, a lot more than the the, the norm. Um, I think he'd be fine going into the season. He probably would not play any preseason games. But uh, I, I still feel the same about Debo that I, I felt before the injury. Respect, respect. Uh, we saw a game the other night, uh, the Patriots against Philly. I don't know what was going on with Philly. Um, I'm, I'm going to just toss that game out for them. Uh, I like what I saw with Cam. Philly I like what I saw. Philly. Yeah, well, well, I mean, well, at least at least the, the, their starting quarterback was a, a, a late scratch, so that kind of had to throw them off a little bit, you know. Right. Um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to come up with an excuse for what I saw. but And I'm a Patriots fan, so I don't want to, you know, beat them up too bad. So, I'm just hoping that we as a team can keep that same energy throughout the, you know, throughout the season. But I, I like what I saw from Cam. Um, he did himself several favors. I like what I saw from uh, Mac Jones. Um, I like what I saw from the running back core. We we like five deep at running back right now. Jacoby Myers um, did his thing a little bit. Um, the person that didn't do much, but it actually still spoke volumes, was Nelson Aguilar because he got the starter treatment, if you will. So he wasn't in, but uh, for a few plays, I believe it was, and um, he was uh, he was he was out of there. So I think it was like fourteen snaps or something like that. He was in for, and he was out of there. So, but Harris is looking good. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is looking good. Uh, yeah, he's um, looking really good, Stevenson. It's, it's gonna be interesting. That hey, another reason why I told you and I told the fiends out there, do not ever, ever trust a Patriots running back. <laughs> you was banging that Damian Harris drum and, and I still banging am. it. And I'm like, I still don't you do it because he'll go rush for hundred yards and then Brandon Bolden to be the starter next week. I mean, but, like, what are you doing, Bill? Like, this kind of guy he is, man. So 
You just said they got five running backs over there looking good. That man, you got five. All, all of them aren't going to make the roster. What I'm saying is like that they, they have options. Like the JJ Taylor uh, looked good. Um, like everybody in the Patriot offense has a role, but you know, right? That, that's 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 neither here nor there. I, that, I was what, very that impressed. Being said, <laughs> from the game, my take from the game last night, I was impressed with Jacoby Myers. He seemed like he's going to be the number one. Like he's maybe Cam Newton's favorite target going into the season. Yeah, it looks like. Ho- hopefully, uh, that won't switch up when uh, Mac Jones comes along. Miles Sanders, he's going to be the head of that backfield. But the the, the rookie that they just brought in this year, uh, he came from a small school. He's a pass catching run. Gain uh, is it Gainwell? Yeah, Gainwell. That's Gainwell. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Gainwell. He kind of showed what he showed in college. Uh, he's going to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um. He'll be kind of like a one of those. Uh, sleepers, if you will, if you're um, stuck at running back um, in a PPR league or something like that. So just something to kind of um, monitor as far as that's concerned. Um, news came out, um, Giovanni Bernard, um, he's getting talked up a lot in practice by the coach, basically saying he's more than good. He said he's more than good and he's ready to earn a major role in the Tampa Bay offense. One thing that I can tell you about Bruce Arians, he doesn't mind letting somebody else get the job if they, if they show that they're better. You saw that last year when Rojo had his issues. Leonard Fournette came in and did what he needed to do. But I honestly think that Gio's going to have that James White role. So he's going to be able to have a consistency to him that the other two won't because they're kind of fighting it out for those uh, rushing yards where the pass catching ability is going to kind of stabilize uh, where Gio is and he can run. So, you know, th- that may- maybe he might be the answer in the, that hurry up offense because you got to be able to run or pass in that situation. And we know Brady ain't running, so he's going to need the outlet. He may get a little bit more work than, than what we think. So just something to monitor. Yeah, I think he's like the, the McKissick for that uh, that offense. Look how McKissick had over 100 targets for the Redskins. I think it's similar for Bernard. I'm not saying he's going to get that output right away because both Ronald Jones and Fournette can catch. But Bernard pass blocks very well, so he won't leave them expendable on the field. I agree with Joe here. Um, I like Gio Bernard. I think it's going to be uh, like game script, maybe going off uh, what defense they're playing against. Just like you say before, he's actually a good run out of the backfield. So it's not one of those things where, okay, it's third down. They got to be passing. You know, this is a guy exactly. that actually can't run between the tackles and, and get positive yardage. So I think Gio is definitely – I think he's a steal for the, for the Bucks yeah. if you need to land him for what he got yeah. him for. So, man, yeah. definitely another weapon for Brady, man. Like If Brady I, asks for it, he going to use it. I promise you. For sure. <laughs> that's just the way that's going to go. I mean, he needed an outlet. You saw so many passes dropped by Rojo and by, by Leonard Fournette that, I mean, he needed his James White type. And now he has essentially a, a better running version of James White. I think James White may outweigh Gio a little bit in the catching game, but I, I, I would prefer Gio between the tackles. For sure. It looks like Stefan Diggs is out for Saturday. He still has that uh, little nicked up knee injury that he's trying to recover from. Um Says he could return to practice soon, but he's definitely not playing um, in Saturday's game. Um, but does that change you guys' outlook at all? Uh, about what? <laughs> okay. Maintenance, yeah. You just look past that. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, like you said, maintenance. 
especially with Diggs, you really just need him for the regular season. You know, no Cole Beasley, you know, due to COVID and everything, him wanting to kind of sit out. And then Emmanuel Sanders definitely need to get more acquainted with the offense. So I just think it's, like you said, just maintenance. Now, we had the same thing going on with Robbie Anderson. He's not practicing. I mean, it looks like he has a, a hamstring um, injury that's going on right now. Now, I, I'm i a stickler for trying to stay away from guys that have preseason hamstring injuries. It's one of those things that just tends to linger for whatever reason, more so than other type injuries, like like your knee or your ankle type injuries, if it's not of the high ankle variety. That hamstring injury, it just, it just seems like they can't go full speed until almost mid-season if they had issues in the preseason. Or am I overblowing it? No, Robbie, I think Robbie is definitely somebody who we need to look at definitely week to week and when he returns to practice. Like you said, soft tissue injury, especially somebody who can go 18, 20 miles an hour down the field and kind of open the offense. You know, it's a difference between being maintenance and still doing individual drills, but just not being a participant, even in practice, that's something to monitor. Same team, DJ Moore dealing with back injuries. He hurt his back on Wednesday. He aggravated it on Thursday, which led to his removal from practice. So looks like the, the number one and number two on the depth chart for Carolina is is already nicked up and we're in preseason. So that's something to monitor. For sure. I, you know, with a back, now I would probably want to play pay uh, closer attention to that because I've never heard someone say, hey, you know what, man? I used to have a bad back. If you got a bad back, you got a bad back. So that's something you keep your, your eyes on and, and, and just see how much he's practicing. And, and that probably, it could be just some stiffness. You know what I mean? That's, that's cool, but. Hopefully so. Yeah. I've seen a back take many people out, a la Tracy McGrady. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, Larry Bird. Uh, man, a back? Man, that's something you don't want, a back injury. But it could very well just be some back stiffness. So I'll just keep keep my eyes close to that. Another injury that you don't want by an often injured player, Wolf, uh, William Fuller. <laughs> He is missing his third week of practice due to a foot injury. That's another one of those injuries that you don't want to see early on in the year because it tends to take a little bit of time. And, and you know, he's he's a Ferrari. Um, so if anything is out of whack, it ain't going to go at all. If, if, if he don't have his speed, I mean, what, what else are you going to depend on him for? So, I mean, that, that maybe that bodes well for Waddle. Um, but, I mean, this guy's hurt all the time. The one season that it looks like he was going to be able to get through, <laughs> we, we come to find out he was on PED. So, I mean, I don't know if that – I'm not saying it's correlation or causation. I don't know which one it is, correlation or causation. But <laughs> and, uh, Right now, I'm not looking to draft him, to be honest with you. He hasn't practiced since July 29th, even to a limited capacity. So – if you still ain't getting it out there, that's just more reps for Waddle and uh, Gusecki. I think he's definitely going to step into a prominent role. And he still got, you know, Grant. They still got a plethora of other receivers. But even Parker's banged up, banged up too. So it's the wrong time for two. Is Albert Wilson healthy? Because um, I know he was going to him earlier. The often hurt. He's normally the first one that gets hurt. But Yeah, I love um, Preston Williams. I think he was a solid. He's definitely. Uh, Preston Williams is back in practice. But uh, oh, yeah. Albert, Albert Wilson was the one that was getting um, – <laughs> Some uh some some noise talked you know about the connection between him and Tua, but I think yeah. it was more so he was the only one in practice. So I mean, yeah, Albert Wilson is like Santana Moss, man. He he just gets so busy, he gets last from the past. Okay, yeah, he, I hear you. So he got that Santana to him. Yo, I like Albert Wilson, man. I don't know why he's not able to like take that next step. Because he can't stay but, healthy. That's yeah, all it is. I, I always thought he was a a, a solid uh receiver, man. I, I like him. And I think they kind of did the same thing that the 49ers did. They they got 
Preston Williams and Albert Wilson are two peas of the same pod, but because both are often injured, hopefully you have one or the other at any given time. More often than not, they're both hurt. But that's <laughs> another one of those things, you know. Several teams decide to go that route, but I mean, hey, I'm not the GM, so hey. Uh, I think that'll kind of wrap up the news. Unless you guys got anything else that you want to throw out there. One to the last D- thing, man. Okay. Jacksonville Jaguars released Tim Tebow. Oh wow. Okay, so <laughs> let me let me tell you why I didn't include that in the news, right? I have been so frustrated. Uncle Shay Shay and Skip talking about Tim Tebow for the last three days since he got booted that I just try to process that out of my mind. I'm sick and tired. I was sick and tired of Tim Tebow before he came back this time. Not him himself, but just the fact that he takes up so much airtime and he's so mediocre. It, it just felt like a slap in the face to those that were better, but you barely knew their names. So, I mean, I, th- that's a personal thing. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Definitely newsworthy. Um, if you saw him attempt to make a block, oh, then you man. understand why he got fired the next day. They should have fired his ass at halftime. But, hey, definitely newsworthy. Yeah, a blocking is like rebounding in basketball. It just you got to want things. it. Yeah, you, <laughs> it's just effort. You know, effort right. is, is, is the main thing of it. So, yeah, that block he did, man, he just, I don't know what it was. But you can't ask a guy to uh, – Number one, I don't think he played in like a decade. And then, right. hey, jump in this position, you never played a day in your life. Like, that's, that's not going to work. And be I'm good actually, at it in su- the next 90 days. You know, I was surprised in a way he did get cut. Um, I know he couldn't play tight end, but I thought Urban Meyer may use him a la Wildcat-ish. Um, you know, maybe goal line. They'll throw him in the goal, one goal and one or whatever, you know, and just let him punch it in or. But when I see him not playing any special teams, I know he was going to get cut. That that's that was my thought because of that. You got to play special teams if you're that fourth guy. Like he was like the fourth tight end on the team. So if you're not coming out making no tackles or blocking, you're going to get cut. And that's your fantasy news. Rapid Fire 10. Rapid Fire 10. Rapid Fire 10. 10 quick questions. 10 quick answers questions that a lot of fiends want to know let's get right into it we have a couple keeper league questions here today who do i keep saquon barkley the tight end waller from the raiders or calvin ridley i'm going ridley i'm going ridley only could keep one jonathan taylor uh waller again from the raiders cd lamb well i thought that was going to be easy until you got the cd CD all the way. Oh, it's rapid fire 10, but that's so much depends on, on roster construction. I'm going to go with CD though. Do I draft Dak Prescott? Absolutely. No. <laughs> Hold up. I know it's rapid fire 10, <laughs> but um, explain yourself. You know, with Dak, I, I love him. I think this guy has the upside to be a top five quarterback, but it's still left to be seen. I think right now with the shoulder, yes, it's the shoulder, but I'm just not sure yet. I got, I have to see it. You know, me personally, I, we know he's, he's capable of throwing. He was going to shatter the yards record had he not gotten hurt. We already know that. We can attest to that. But the key part is the pieces around him. And if, if Jarwin, too many ifs, if Cooper – you know, and if that offensive line can come back together, that, that's too many ifs for me at quarterback. So let me tell you why you're wrong. 
first and foremost, the line is back to what it used to be, somewhat, somewhat close to what it used to be, more than serviceable. We saw the tear that he was on the first four games of last year before he got hurt, and that was with a C.D. Lamb who had only played four games, um, the guy that we both just uh, said would be a keeper. Um, also, on top of that, you have a, an Amari Cooper who is – a, a, a top-notch wide receiver in of itself, and of himself, whenever he's healthy, you have Zeke, who I believe is going to show people why they should keep his name out their mouth this year, and he catches the ball out of the backfield as well. The other thing that's telling to me the fact that they still have the same backup quarterback that couldn't get anything done last year when Dalton was hurt tells me that they're not worried about Dak missing any games. So I, I nah, I, Dak right now I think Dak is a value. If he does, he was he was in route to being quarterback one last year. If if he does seventy five percent of what he was in route to doing last year, based on what he's been picked this year, I gotta have. Him. We'll just agree to disagree on that one. We're gonna definitely debate that off the air. Ten four. <laughs> okay, draft strategy. Do I go zero running back or hero running back? PPR league. 12 teams. Joe, you want to hit that first? Man, I I think this year is a good year, believe it or not, that I'm willing to go uh, with the running backs heavy, actually. I'm definitely going running back hero all the way with that one, definitely. I don't want to continue to agree with you on these, <laughs> but I got to go with the running back hero. Yeah, definitely. Running back get murky real quick. What rookie quarterback do I draft? I'll say you draft Fields. Fields, um, yes, yes. I gotta go with Fields. Uh, he he's going to get. He's definitely going to get on the field. I believe sooner than later. Um, and I, I just from what I've seen, he's. I know everyone's going against vanilla offenses. I mean defenses. Excuse me, but the way he's been able to react to that vanilla defense has been better than the other quarterbacks who are going against the same set vanilla defenses. So. I just think the game is going to be a little bit easier for him in compared with because of his skill set. On the other side, uh, you have Trevor Lawrence who's struggling right now. So, I mean, and I think both of them are going to be fine in the long run. But starting out, I wouldn't want to depend on Trevor Lawrence, for example. I, w- I, w- I would I would possibly even take a Zach Wilson Ooh. before I would take Trevor Lawrence just because I think the team around him is going to get him to where he needs to go faster than the team around Trevor Lawrence is going to get him where he needs to go. Mm. Okay. I, see, uh, with the Jets, they had me until they lost their best defensive player on Carl Larson for the year. That's he great for fantasy, it. but offense, that means, they, that yeah. means they're going to have to put up points. Yeah, but being real, going against Buffalo, New England, and Miami, do I want to see him exposed to those three teams? All gas, all game. I love it. That means from minute one, you got to pass the ball, buddy. Unless you're just going to relegate yourself to losing in the first quarter. You got to come out passing. So, yeah, I kind of like the fact that he's going against them. And then he's going to throw interceptions. Now, if you're in a league where it's like two a two-point deduction for interception, then no, don't do that. Go with field. And just that's, a hell of, that's a hell of a fire to be thrown into, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I agree, but – the thing about it is, it's garbage time count too. I mean, he gonna, I know he's not going to lose his job, and I feel he's going to come along based on what's around him. You got um, Elijah Moore, you got Corey Davis, you got um, um, you got Crowder there. 
Uh, you got Mims is like now the like fourth or fifth. I mean, they're like deep. They're actually kind of deep at wide receiver now. So I mean, he has he has pieces around him. To whereas we're hoping that Laviscus Chenault takes a step in order for Trevor Lawrence to have any success. Like I mean, but look, like, with, but look at Marvin Jones and Lawrence getting it done early on. Their wide receivers are Marvin Jones. We have DJ Chark. We have Keelan Cole, who's been doing pretty good from what I'm understanding at camp. They got LaVisca. Uh, and then, obviously, you add in the, the fifth wide receiver. Wait, 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 wait. I thought Keelan Cole went to the to the Jets as well, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you're right. Actually, you are right. He did because he's killing it. Never mind. Wrong team. Yeah. So so, so an- another another person for Wilson. And he's killing it in the camp right now. And he's but, like the fifth wide receiver. But, but I, I digress. Go ahead. I think... Zach is going to be a phenomenal talent. What he can do, how he can extend the play is very unorthodox. It's very Pat Mahomes-esque, how he's just able to be erratic, throw across his body, do a lot of trick shots, good throws. But I think the weapons from top to bottom, wide receivers, okay, we'll let them both have wide receivers. But running back is by far, we already know what we're talking about with Hyde, ETN, and James Robinson. That, at the end of the day, that's, a, that's what keeps a quarterback – and a defense more so than anything. Bump a quarterback. That's what keeps the defense guessing. Don't disrespect Carter. Okay, speaking of Carter, is it Michael Carter or David Johnson? Michael yeah, Carter easy. all day. I'm going all to day. I mean, someone might want to know. I mean, David Johnson is coming off a pretty solid year. So in Houston. I know they added like three running backs to the roster, but you know. We actually should have covered this in the news because I, it came out yesterday, day before yesterday, um, that he was basically saying that um you know, he's trying to keep his head up in spite of the situation, referring to the fact that he's now behind Philip Lindsay and behind Mark Ingham on the depth chart. And he's just going to be a third down back. Uh, so he, he he literally spoke to the fact that he was attempting to not be upset with the situation. So his uh, workload that you thought you were going to be able to count on. Nah. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, and not only that, but if Tyrod actually ends up quarterback there, we know he don't check down. So if you only the third down back and you're counting on that for your consistency and you got a quarterback that never actually throws the ball to the running back on third down, <laughs> good luck with that. Carter all day. Okay. We have, uh, Jamar Chase or Elijah Moore. And I know this is a gap in the ADP, Ooh. but you know how that goes. <laughs> Yo, huh, okay, okay, so let me ask you this. This is the caveat. We're talking about redraft. We're talking about keeper. We're talking about dynasty. Redraft. Just redraft. Okay. Jamar. I'm going to go with Jamar. Go. I'm going to go with Jamar. We keep agreeing, but God damn it. Okay. Yeah. Even uh, though Calvin, I love Elijah Moore, especially with, with where he's going. Two other wide receivers, uh, Calvin Ridley or Stephon Diggs. Give me Diggs. Just to play devil's advocate, I'm, I'm going to go with Ridley. <laughs> But let me tell let, let me let me tell you why I think you can't go wrong with either one. Um, they're in similar situations. Um, in all actuality, the edge that Ridley could have on Diggs is the fact that his quarterback doesn't run. Your boy uh, Josh Allen, he has averaged somewhere between seven to eight running touchdowns per season. So that's going to take several touchdowns off the board for the running backs as well as the wide receivers. So in, in that devil's advocate role, if you're, if you're flipping a coin, um, if you would go Ridley, I would not blame you for that. He, he is more likely to get the, the red zone um, um, touches in comparison. Okay. And this person needs a tight end. Do they take Hawkinson or Andrews? 
Standard lead, Andrews, PPR, Hawkinson, easy decisions both ways. I'm going to go Hawkinson just because I love to go with the, the underdog. So my rationale, just quickly on this one, standard leagues, you're counting on touchdowns. Andrews, is he? that's basically how he gets his fantasy points. PPR leagues, the Lions, they aren't going to score very many touchdowns per Vegas. And Vegas is very seldomly wrong. Ergo, I'm going to get the guy that I think is going to be peppered with targets because garbage time counts too. He's going to have plenty of opportunity. He's, he's going to be the number one, probably the number one target receiver on the team so ppr he'll rack it up and he'll be consistent but in the standard league give me the guy that's going to get the touchdowns but hawkinson didn't have six touchdowns i'm confused going he's going from hawkinson went from stafford to golf so i i can't i can't i mean you're right he did have that but i expected to be less with golf what what i like about andrews is just keeping it quick is that for all those reasons he's going to catch the third down bomb he's going to get those plays and he is going to possibly convert in the red zone. I had to use that word possibly because he had a stint last season where he kind of dipped off for me personally. And uh, with Hawkinson, at least we know he is the number one receiver. He is going to get targets. They're going to philosophically get him the ball. Absolutely. And, And we don't have to worry about a running quarterback at the last minute. We already alluded to golf is not going to be the answer, but he's going to have to find someone. And until he has a proven commodity, then that's going to be an issue. Whereas even though it's not like a Hollywood and Bateman, they still got several other receivers like DuVernay. They still have um, my guy that just came up with the Saints for quite some time as well over there. They still have pieces of wide receivers, if you know, and they're going to run first and run heavy. So. Andrew's going to get sprinkled in, but I like Hawkinson knowing that he is going to be what he is. I feel you. I feel you. There you have it. Rapid Fire 10. Rapid Fire 10. All right. So, fantasy football theme family. The main topic for today is going to be how to find value in your draft, value on the waiver, value in your trades. We're going to talk about a few players that we have identified that are going lower to much lower than they should based on what they have either consistently produced or what they are projected to produce based on the current situation. So with that being said, my man, bro, Joe, he deep dives into this type of thing. Um, He goes down the rabbit hole. So we're definitely going to utilize his wisdom in this section I have a couple of people that I'm going to throw out there as well. I'll go ahead and let Joe kick it off with his first value player. All right. So I just want to take a moment because this is going to be like real jaw dropping to everybody. I'm going to start off the gate with Mike Williams. And I know everybody's going to say like, oh, Joe, like it's Keenan Allen. You know, it's, it's so many other reasons as to why he's not a valuable pick. But let's go with where he's at right now. He's considered wide receiver 47 in standard. And he's also considered a PPR a wide receiver 45. But what we're not looking at here is that this guy had his ninth and contested catch rate, and five of his touchdown catches came off of contested catches. 
And that was more than any receiver who had three. So what that's telling me is, you know, in addition to already being an intermediate uh, wide receiver whose yards per catch is always at 15.8 yards a carry, that this man is going to catch the ball in circumstances many times that not normally nobody would. Joe Lombardi, who's down at offensive quarter, has made it quite clear that this guy is going to play the X receiver. And if anybody knows Joe Lombardi, who spent four years with the Saints, Michael Thomas played the X receiver. Now, we're not going to call him Michael time we're not calling him that but we're talking about the opportunities he didn't get uh most of his career now being not force fit to him but given to him in a, a natural production because this guy has so much upside and coming out of Clemson the question was DeAndre Hopkins well that's not even a question anymore the question is now in a contract year how are you going to produce and everyone looks at Corey Davis as far as his production and his breakout last year. Believe it or not, if you took their numbers and extrapolated both the same, Mike Williams, before even taking his numbers and extrapolating them, he already had the better season. He produced way more with only 48 receptions than Corey Davis did with 65. And they both ended up with the same amount of touchdowns. But if had we taken, you know, Corey Davis numbers and we extrapolate him for a whole season, he's going to finish wide receiver 26 and he's only wide receiver 47. Like I said, again, we have to go look at the productivity and what kind of offense Lombardi is looking to bring to this organization. They're going to get Keenan Allen the ball. They're going to get Ackley the ball. But he's already saying this guy is, was already X receiver. He already is going to get natural production similar to Michael Thomas. And if he's already at only a catch rate of five touchdowns off of 48 targets, imagine what he can do if we expound on that, which they're going to do this season. He is somebody that's 64% in Yahoo, 66% in ESPN. This guy, to me, has the upside to not just be the wide receiver 26 that he could have been, but he's going to get into wide receiver 16 territory because he already had double digit touchdowns. So Williams, I need you to tell the people real quick when, when you just referred to those numbers, what, what were you referring to? Oh yeah. So let me take a step back. So pretty much right now, right? So for his career, he's already doing 15.8 yards per catch, right? If we were to take that same 15.8 yards per carry as opposed to giving him 48 receptions, let's give him 65, he would have finished with 1,027 yards and 16 touchdowns that would have put him at 171.20 fantasy points, which is ahead of Cooper Cup, Beasley, Aguilar, Higgins, Boyd, Gallup, Godwin, and Ayuk. So for those of y'all that are thinking, okay, what is he talking about? So this is what you got to do. You can't look at last year. You have to project what's going to happen this year. And based on the change in the offensive philosophy, what he's indicating is if he gets the amount of targets that the normal X wide receiver would get in this offense, going back to the guard system, the role that he's going to play. If you look at his role, is, is he a possible game breaker? Absolutely. Has he? He's had 10 touchdowns in a season before. Does he have upside? Absolutely. Age, is he over the hill? Nah, not at all. So when we get to the role, we know he's going to have a defined role. Depth chart. And, we know he's number two. Too, all five of his touchdowns came in the red zone. So we already know Love when it. they're getting into the red zone, who they're looking to go to. And now that they don't have Hunter Henry, he's going to be even more targeted the same as a Keenan Allen would. Beautiful. I agree with that. I got a question, Joe. Uh, with this new OC, does this affect Keenan Allen? So I don't think so. I think what it actually does is kind of kind of gets him in a, in a great predicament to be more flexible. 
we already know Keenan Allen is the connoisseur of separation, deception, and getting open. I think what it kind of plays into is already Mike Will was already their intermediate receiver. They just didn't give him enough opportunities to showcase anything else. But what he did do is take those limited opportunities he got and made it so that he was getting 15 yards of catch. And this guy is catching over DBs. He's catching it over linebackers. And when you get in the red zone, no one can stop him. This guy had the highest TD rate on contested catches in the red zone. No one else even came close. Everybody else had at least three touchdowns. So this guy is a behemoth in the red zone. I love it about him. I think giving him more targets is going to help him. Keenan Allen's still going to be Keenan Allen regardless. But it kind of levels the field to where you can't key on Keenan Allen because you know what? They're going to come out with a nine route. They're going to come in with a post route. And they're going to dump it right over you. So I think that it kind of expounds on Keenan Allen's nuances to create separation and uh, leave a, D, a DB in the dust, definitely. And the other thing that you have to throw out there, too, this guy is currently going in the ninth round. So his, his average draft, is that, that's what makes him such a value. When you look at where you can get him versus where he can end up, it's it's almost a no-brainer. That, that, that might be somebody that you guys might want to target. My first value is actually someone in the same vein, Brandon Cooks. There's not really another wide receiver on the Texans that is remotely proven. They do have a couple of sleepers, a um, couple of people that might show and prove, but there's only one wide receiver right now on that team that's proven. They're definitely going to be passing the ball from the first quarter all the way to the fourth because they have no defense. So he's definitely going to have somewhere in the area of seven to 10 targets per game. Here's the other thing to take a look at. Five of the last six years, and he's had several different quarterbacks. Brandon Cooks has been a top 15 wide receiver. I'll say that again. Brandon Cooks, five out of the last six years, has been a top 15 wide receiver amongst several different quarterbacks. He's going to get the target volume. And right now he's going in the eighth round. So if he is just what he normally is, even if he were to take a step back based on volume, I don't see how he can bust when you can get him in the eighth round. My rebuttal to that would be um, that stat that you said he was, what was the stat you said about Cooks just now? Which last, the top some, 15, five of the last six years? Yeah, but five of the last, the, out of five of the last six years, name his quarterbacks and then name his quarterback today. Which is why I said volume <laughs> is going to play a huge role. He's not going to have the same volume when he had Tom Brady or when he had, when he was with Drew Brees or when he was with um, Jerry Goff, right? Was it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Golf, golf, when he yeah. was with Goff. I, I see it being a similar um, to when he was with I mean, even if it's Tyrod, I don't see Tyrod and Golf. I don't see Golf dwarfing Tyrod just to keep it 100. Like, like if you're talking about quarterback talent, like golf is not this stud and Tyrod is a scrub. I, I, I don't see it. Like he's been put in some bad situations where there's normally a younger quarterback that he's just there to groom. But based on just volume alone, I, I, I don't think he can bust from the eighth round. So in the eighth round, you got to look at the fact that you you aren't banking on him. He He's probably your your second bench wide receiver at this point. And he's he's returned value every single year that he's been in the NFL as far as fantasy is concerned. So that, that's what I'm looking at. Oh, yeah. I think mine is definitely going to be going to Tennessee, going to be Anthony Ferkser. I'm loving this kid's upside of potential. Barry talked about him to, um, in the tight end episode. 
love this kid. And I think what he benefits from the most is that we can say Julio came, we can say Josh Reynolds came, but they also lost several key receivers. So there's 208 targets up for grabs. In addition to that, Juno's gone. He moved on to New England. And that 45, 47% of target share that was already for the tight end is going to one guy already. And he already commanded 41% of the tight end target share. So even before, this guy already stood to have 41% of the targets going to the tight end in the Titans offense. Now he has Julio. Now he has, obviously, he already had A.J. Brown. This guy is going to light it up. And everything that you can read about this guy, whether it's from Kevin Byard, whether it's from Arthur Smith, who's now the coach for the Falcons, this guy knows how to find the soft um, part of the zone. He does. He's a phenomenal route runner. And a lot of people have put him up there already in the organization, up there with Delaney and, Ju- and Juno. Wow. Okay. So he's going at a tight end 21, 27% owned in Yahoo, 6% owned in ESPN. And imagine this guy, he already had 41%. And he did well with even his targets. He had a 72% completion rate when targeted. So he made the most of all his catches. He's he's going to blow up. And I'm, he's not Darren Waller, but what I'm, I want to tell the audience to kind of pick up on, there's nobody behind him. They didn't go out and sign a tight end. This True. kid has to come into this role, and he's already caught 39 passes. So fire him up, get him late, and that's your uh, tight end one. No question. So great segue, because my next value pick is actually his quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. Oh, well, you consider Tannehill value? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the cover has been pulled back. I think, you know, maybe last year, year before, people wasn't paying attention. People are paying attention now. So when I say when I say value, what I mean is if we look at last year, like last year when he only had Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. So if you look at after A.J. Brown came back from injury, right, from week four on, he was the number two quarterback in fantasy. And now you add Julio to that, and he's being currently drafted as the QB 10 off the board? Hell yeah, that's a lot of value there. So my thing is this. What they just did, they made it so you thought you were going to be able to double AJ, but now you got to make business decisions. You got Julio on the other side, and you might want to actually keep your safety in the box to attempt to handle King Henry. I don't know how he's going to be able to pick and shoot. And then, and then like Joe just said, Ferkser, Ferkser is going to be guarded by linebackers that can't stick him all day. So he's going to be able to pick and choose, and he's returned value on where he's been drafted every single year since he's been a Tennessee Titan. He still wears the funk of the Miami Dolphins back in the day with Adam Gasbag. But I'm telling you, this guy every year, the worst he's done since he's been in Tennessee, get this, quarterback seven. And he's in the highest he's been drafted is this year, quarterback 10. He's been a value for for some years now. That's the thing. I, I, I think he is, to me, me personally, I think he's like in the right spot. I mean, he's been drafted 10, but there's probably like nine guys that people maybe should draft in front of him. Now, I, if you're looking at the people in front of him, currently right now, based on current draft position, 
I would not draft Justin Herbert over him. I probably would have Dak over him. Russell Wilson, I would not have over him. And the only reason for that is they had that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They have all the talent in the world, but it's like they have one. And I know that's your team, Joe. They have half of the season where they're lighting it up and the other half of the season where it's like, okay, what the heck just happened? We just saw... Lamar Jackson come in behind him this last year. Lamar Jackson was like quarterback, I want to say 10. Tom Brady is being picked ahead of him. Tom Brady and Ryan Tannehill, I kind of have is 1A, 1B, like same same footing, if you will. Aaron Rodgers, I would say same tier, give or take, just based on what I've seen and based on where and people are drafting again all of these people before him and he's going to put out similar numbers so that's where i consider it to be a value you can go ahead and get that running back you can go ahead and get that if you wanted to get an early tight end if you wanted to get a, a, a couple of wide receivers taken care of first there's nine quarterbacks that are going before him so th- that's the reason that i look at him as being a, a value that there aren't there aren't nine quarterbacks that are going to put up more fantasy points than him. So yeah, but based on where he's been drafted, he's a value. Yeah, but if there's not nine, well, there's seven. I mean, I just don't – I think Tannehill will finish between seven and ten. So I don't see a huge, like, value. I mean, he may finish better than his ADP, but how high you think he's going to go? I mean, hey, Like I said, last year without Julio Jones – if you look at when A.J. Brown came back, week four on, he was the number two quarterback. So that's his ceiling. He, he showed you last year when he had healthy wide receivers what, what he's capable of. So if I can get a guy who could possibly be top five at the 10 spot, I, I love it. That, so that's what I'm looking at. And I, I think what it is going to happen most likely now, unless they're watching the show or listening to the show, rather, they're not going – like he can slide even further past Absolutely, QB ten. But like you said, the up the main thing is you're going from Corey Davis to Julio Jones. We're going from Juno. You know, I love Juno Smith, but he was not as productive as he was in the year prior. The prior two wasn't the same player. Now you're getting someone who is more nuanced, who's going to stretch the field. I like to say. Let's roll up Matt Ryan's uh, relationship to like an Austin Hooper before obviously Hayden Hurst right. uh, came into town where he's going to have so many options. He already have 38 touchdowns now. What is he going to have with Julio? They got Josh Reynolds from the Rams, and this kid is someone who we might need to put on the underrated uh, show and you know kind of get into him later on. He's another phenomenal talent. He has three wide receivers that he hasn't had before which is to his benefit, that's going to help him stretch the field. And Arthur Smith is gone. That run-heavy offense is not going to be the same offense we're going to see this year. If he's already touted to also command the running game himself, he scrambles it himself. He takes it upon himself, and he's efficient. We're not looking at turnovers. For his value, where he might slide between 10, even 12, I think you have to, because people might get quarterback happy. He's a great play. And I think, like I said, the addition to Julio, Josh Reynolds, AJ finally, like, who are you going to guard? It's going to be eight or nine. And if it's, if it's nine, somebody's going over, over, up top. Here's the Here. thing to consider as well with him. Right now, his average draft position is with people that have been studying all offseason. When your Johnny come lately comes in, Jalen Hurts is going to be drafted before him. Matthew Stafford will probably be drafted before him. I don't know. Um, I can see I Trevor Lawrence I being drafted. I don't before, think nobody's taking Matthew Stafford before Tandy. That, that would remember be what we talked about, names over numbers, right? I, I get it. 
but no. the excitement of him being in a new offense. I don't and know about that I, one. I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, watch where the average draft position ends up. He's going to end up falling even further. And for where he is right now, he's a value. He's going to be even more of a value when um the, the layman, if you will, start really drafting. And here's the thing to consider. When you're drafting, what you see in many, in many times, just depending on how your draft format is set up, is based on average draft position. So a lot of people, they're only going to choose, especially if, again, you're not talking about your pros, they're only going to choose from the suggested people on the screen. For sure. So as the average draft position drops, he's going to fall even more. People aren't going to be thinking about him as a name. Right, right. And because he hasn't been presented on the screen as a suggestion, based on average draft position dropping, I'm telling you, he's going to become that much more of a value as more and more people start the draft. Um, but if you already considered my thing with the value, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you already considered top 10 at your position, how much value are you really going to get out of that person is what I'm saying. How high are you really going to go? You're already near the ceiling already. If you consider top 10, okay, you finished six. Did I really get value out of that guy? Well, 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 okay, okay. So, so, so let's 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 make it clear, right? He in single quarterback leagues, that is. He's currently been drafted in the ninth, ninth round. round. Ninth round. That's where the value. How much more did you get? I'm, I'm showing nine five, so maybe it kind of depends. So different league types, but That's if you've been able to, you you've essentially been able to set up your entire team before you drafted your quarterback now all of those the majority of those guys that you're, that you're getting before him you're going to give up one of those wide receivers you're going to give up one of those running backs you're going to give I, up okay, that tight I end feel that. I feel that. so if i can get eight players on my team before i get Tannehill, and he has a possibility of being the number two quarterback what better roster construction can i ask for that's why he's a value yeah. man one of my favorite values and i know I've been I, I like this guy. I'm sorry when it comes to fantasy, especially in a uh, single quarterback league. Man, Ben Roethlisberger. Absolute same same boat. I, so, I agree. I mean, he's currently ranked like 22nd, the 22nd quarterback. Big Ben, the 22nd quarterback. You might be able to stream him. He might not even uh, be being drafted right he, now. He, that's what I'm saying. He, if you're one of those guys and you're in this uh, 12 team, 14 league, 14 team league, man, but this may be a guy you probably pick with your very last pick. Um, he's coming off a pretty decent season. I mean, with having a horrible run game last year, his so shoulder now, better now. A yeah, year, he's, a year he's removed a year from removed that injury, soldiers, right? Surgery. Um, actually may have a decent run game this year. I mean, mm -hmm. last year thirty-three touchdowns, uh, ten picks, not too bad, thirty-eight hundred yards. But the season before the injury is a five-thousand-yard quarterback. I mean, finished like second in fantasy points. Currently he been had, drafted in the eighteenth round. Era. You know what I mean? So hey, I value. I like Big Ben going into this season. Um, if he can stay healthy and upright, I think you really get more bang for your buck waiting for this guy. Oh yeah. So I think I'm about to go. We're going to go three quarterbacks straight, but I'm going to shake it up probably the most. I'm a I'm a boldly say that I'm going in there with Kirk Cousins with this one. Okay. And, uh, we have to already state the obvious. Zimmerman is this – he's been tried and true. I got to do this run first offense. But this is his last year to get it done. And uh, everybody's like, oh, well, Kubiak is done. His son is going to be there. But, no, his son actually is the most 
the best part of why I chose Kirk Cousins because he's already coming in dealing with, you know, the Air Coriel, the Air Ray offense with Cliff Kingsbury. He's already worked under Bill Walsh in the West Coast offense. And we already know what the wide zone offense has done to the NFL with the likes, obviously, of his dad, obviously, Kyle Kubiak and Shanahan. But what his predecessor and um, everybody else have been able to do with LaFleur, McVay, even Stefanski, which he actually coached under Stefanski, too. This kid is no more It's no more run first. They're going to open this offense up. They got this kid a phenomenal talent at wide receiver, which we're going to save for a different show. K.J. Osborne is showing up finally, finally. And I think what's leading into him having a better finish, the difference between him being a QB 11 and a QB 5 was four points per game. So we're just asking this man to compete with Aaron Rodgers. To me, Justin Fields sooner than later with Darnell Mooney and uh, Allen Robinson. This kid has to take the next step. And for him to do so, Irv Smith has to be more involved. Obviously, we're going to see Justin Jefferson. And they brought Keenan McCardell over there to specifically make sure that he takes the next step. Because McCardell is the main reason why DJ Shark became who he was over there in Jacksonville. And uh, just wrapping it up, that's the value for me. He is somebody you're going to get at a QB 17 who – isn't a brand new system that's no longer a run first offense. Of course, Dalvin's Dalvin. Dalvin's going to get 300 touches, 350. But how they're going to involve it now is putting much more onto Kirk Cousins. And he's getting his QB coach for the last two seasons taken over. We've seen what Stefanski has done with the same kind of, you know, opening the wide uh, zone scheme. We've seen what McVay has done. LaFleur just went 14 and 2 with the Packers. I'm not com- I'm not going to compare Clint just yet to those coaches, but he also has the same concepts and the same tutelage from dad. And this year, he's going to put it together. And for that reason, I have to put Kirk Cousins in there. He he doesn't have a reason not to step up his numbers. And he already killed it last year, in my personal opinion. I agree. I agree. And, and- He's going in the 14th round um, in most leagues right now, single quarterback leagues. So, again, you've had the opportunity to pick 13 players. You've constructed your entire team, and this guy is still waiting in the wings. So the value comes into play, again, with what you did not have to give up because you chose to go with the name earlier that's going to produce about the same amount of fantasy points. That's how you build your team and you make it better than the person next to you. You find um, in round 14, Kirk Cousins, and maybe several rounds earlier, um, they drafted someone like, let's say, a who's going a little bit higher than him. Um, let's say they drafted someone like a, um, a higher than Kirk Cousins, a, a Joe Burrow, a Trevor Lawrence, Matt somebody Ryan. like that. Uh, Matt Ryan, like so, all of these, all of these people are going to be in a similar vein as far as points scored, but somebody had to, somebody had to make a a choice for a quarterback a lot earlier. So you you gave up maybe a Mike Davis that would have been running back depth for you, uh, which leads into my next um, my next value um, at running back, Mike Davis, Ooh, right okay. now. 
um, with Mike Davis, he is in a situation where I just knew for certain that some bet was going to pop up. Um, Adrian Peterson, um, maybe they figured things out with Gurley. I mean, something, somebody. I just knew somebody was going to show up. But as of right now, he's still the the main guy in town. Um, And right now he's going in the sixth round. There aren't very many starting running backs or running backs with guaranteed volume when you get um, to that level of the draft more often than not. But due to volume, um, he I, I can't see him busting from round six just due to the sheer volume that he should have. And if he produces like he was able to produce for Carolina, who had a actually a worse offensive line um, and a worse quarterback, um, worse wide receivers, et cetera, et cetera, if he's able to do what he did in Carolina, you're going to have a possible league winner based on the other people that you're able to draft while you were building that depth. The other thing that you're going to be able to do is use him as possible trade bait, uh, maybe pairing him up or maybe sending him off to a running back needy team um, and getting that top top notch wide receiver or that top notch um, quarterback because you got that. Maybe you got, like we said, you got that Kirk Cousins, right? But then their running backs get hurt and they're in a situation to where you might be able to pair up a Kirk Cousins and a Mike Davis because both of them are hitting it. And you might be able to get one of those upper echelon quarterbacks now that you weren't willing to pay for in the draft. So there's going to be several opportunities that kind of uh, open itself up when you go for value because the cream is going to rise to the top. And the only time the draft matters is when you're drafting. Once you're in the season, who whoever is producing is producing. So it doesn't matter where you drafted them. If they're not producing them, I'm not about to pay for them. So that's just kind of how that will work out. So that's why I think Mike Davis is another guy who's a huge value just based on where he's going and the volume that he's likely to receive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm big on Mike Davis, too. I think people are really underestimating the role he's going to step into. And I think he, he already showed his durability. He already showed his skill set. And, again, Arthur Smith playing into – God, why are we playing off of each other? <laughs> Arthur Smith now going over there to that offense – you already know what time it is from what he's done with Tannehill, like you said, Derek Henry and Folk. Davis is, is – they didn't get anybody except for Cordell Patterson. I mean, if that's not enough to tell the viewers to, who to go after, I don't know what else is. Um, as far as my pick, um, I was going to actually hold off on this guy, but I think, you know, to kind of get back into that theme of – a steal, and I'm just saying for any of the viewers, even even you guys, because I already went out and got this guy. Nico Collins to me is really standing out as a player that I want on my team right now. I mean, this kid is literally he's going to be the wide receiver too. I don't see any way Kiki QT can keep up with him. Uh, one thing that he's going he's got going from already Tyrod Taylor already giving him praise. Brandon Cook has already um, to the press, to the media, let them know, like, hey, I'm mentoring this kid. He has all the tangibles. He's 6'4", 215 pounds, and he ran a 4'4", 40. Like, That's a big guy running fast. Can we not, like, take a minute to kind of look at that? I felt like Harbaugh, you know, in Michigan, 
like with the Chris Evans, uh, who also came out of Michigan this year, he kind of held the, the the his growth at the collegiate level. So we didn't really get to see that prime player, like we could say with a Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, you know, with a Waddle. He didn't get that kind of publicized upside. He didn't get that uh, chance to kind of get that exposure. And I think for that reason alone, you're looking at somebody just to the point that we made with Brandon Cooks. Someone has to get the ball in this offense. And you're looking at, you know, QT hasn't got it done. Um, you look at, you know, everyone else that's there because they had what? Uh, they had Wilkins. They had Thomas, a tight end. But they don't have someone who's going to threaten the field because Cooks is going to receive double coverage at some point. And then to touch on it too, David uh, Cully is the head coach. And this guy is a wide receiver guru. And already has he's been very critical of Nico Collins, though he's blowing up and he's you know, viral to beat writers and those people who are underwriters for NFL.com. He's already critical of this kid's development and not letting the praise he's getting getting to him. And having a wide receiver coach as a head coach, he's going to have that chance to shine. I think he's definitely one of those players that is wide receiver three at minimum. At minimum, if you're looking at Rashad Hennett, like uh, Higgins or whatever, he's not there. Okay, cool. You're looking at Bobby Tyler Boyd, who I would think will take a step back. You're looking at someone with my per with my insight and what I think he's going to be able to do as an exceptional route runner and taking the top off of an offense. He's going to give you Tyler Boyd, but at a discount. You know, he's the only wide receiver, I think, what, 47? If that, he's not even 47. He's going so low in the draft. You're going to get him in rounds, you know, 14, 15, even undrafted. I just got him for nothing. He's wide receiver 74. Consensus. Go grab him and don't even worry about it. If he doesn't flourish right away, they're going to be playing behind. He He's not one of those picks you're going to run out, you're going to cash it in. No, he's your wide receiver four. He's your wide receiver five. But his upside is going to lead to him sooner than not being a standout wide receiver for your team. And he's going to get you those bye weeks. He's going to get you into the playoffs, come playoff time, because his team is going to always be trailing from behind. Oh, I got two more for you, Joe. My tight end is Tyler Higby. So Ooh. my rationale, last year, Tyler Higby had 65 receptions, 763 yards, seven touchdowns. That was before Gerald Everett left. That was before matthew stafford got there now what do we know about matthew stafford what you were referring to uh with hawkins's numbers last year matthew stafford liked to th likes to throw the ball to the tight end that's normally his outlet more so than the running back so we kind of gotta take into account that if a guy was able to first of all if a guy scores seven touchdowns as a tight end unless you get one of the upper echelon one of the top three or four tight ends in the 10th round that's a steal um, so that's the reason i'm looking at tyler higby as a value um i believe he's going to get more targets than he was able to secure last year i believe he's going to be able to reproduce or possibly increase the amount of touchdowns because I'm looking at what he has around him wide receiver-wise. He should be one-on-one -on -one more often than not in the red zone. I think that Stafford is going to kind of show us in week one, week two, who his favorites are. And so I'm going to pay attention to how that kind of plays itself out. And I'll kind of know after that first week if he's somebody that I can depend on or if he's somebody that I'm going to throw back in the slot bucket, a.k.a. waiver, or if I'm going to try to trade him and you know upgrade somewhere else. 
Um, but Tyler Higby um, is one of my tight end values. Um, and actually, I'm going to give you a bonus tight end, and I'm not going to go in depth with it. But Noah Fent, I believe, is also a tight end value. If Locke actually takes the step, Noah Fant might actually be another tight end still. He was a little nicked up here and there, but uh, he's going in the seventh round right now. Uh, he had 66 receptions, so one more reception than Tyler Higby did last year. He had five touchdowns, um, and that was with horrible quarterback play. So with an increase in quarterback play, I can see him being another one of those tight ends that can hold it in the road for you as well. What else you got, Joe? Oh, man. So I, See, I should have did this with Kirk Cousins, but I knew you was going to go double tight end. So I'm a you got Irv Gotti. <laughs> see, you, you know where I'm going with this. So He's on one of my loving, squads. I already know. Loving, loving Irv Smith Jr., and what stands out to me so much, I want to call him George Kittle, but that's what's literally on my notes. Whoa. I'm going to say Travis Kelsey. I'm going to say Travis Kelsey instead. Whoa. Look at, so look, like when you look High at this. High praise, sir. When you're looking at how he's utilized, and particularly the red zone, he's getting delayed bubble screens. He's getting crossing routes. He's getting you so well in the red zone. That plays so much into his five touchdowns that he received. He's He's a Swiss Army knife for that offense gone is 40 percent of the targets to the tight end and in is him and just like how i did earlier in the show and i'm glad you were able to kind of give context if we gave him those same 42 receptions that was vacated to kyle rudolph and kind of drew it out for irv smith jr he's going to finish tight end 10 year two by itself just if we just extrapolated just a little bit more and gave him um, those additional uh target shares that was just vacated he was going to already be tight end 10. So this is a guy who's going to be right now, he is tight end, I think, 17? 14. He's going 14, right? He's tight end 14. And he has to get the ball. Who is after Thielen? Who's after Jefferson? I mean, who's after Cook? And Cook also commands, you know, 60 targets himself. This kid has already gotten five touchdowns in his second year, all in the red zone. These are plays that are manufactured for this kid. Like I said, delays, bubble screens, everything you can imagine. They're imploring him almost like a Travis Kelsey, a George Kittle. You're getting that at tight end 14. Is This is the Irv Gotti show. <laughs> I saw some news out of camp about him. That they were saying that uh, he's like the third or fourth target um, right now. And he's he's been getting much work in the red zone, like you said. So uh, when it comes to tight end, if you have one that is either one, the focal point of the offense, which is going to be your upper echelons like your Kelsey's, your Wallers, your Kittles, or if you have one um, that's going to be in a similar situation as the ones we just mentioned as values where they should get a decent amount of touchdowns and they can kind of hold it in the road for you. You definitely want to take advantage of that. Um, my last guy, some people may not see him as a value based on where he's going, but in the third round, getting a guy that conceivably could be a league winner. I love getting Clyde Edwards Alaire in the Ooh, third round. Love it. That's that's, um, that's the show right there. Yeah, absolutely. So so here's the thing, right? Let me tell y'all why Clyde is such a value right now, right? So he's in the highest powered offense in the NFL, right? So they don't have any running back that is nipping at his heels that's even remotely as talented 
as he is. On top of that, if you look at the amount of yards that he was able to accumulate in comparison to the amount of touchdowns that he had, uh, which he only had, he had, uh, he had two receiving touchdowns. Um, and then, uh, was it one? Yes. Well, he had four rushing, five. So five or six, whatever the case may be. So here's the thing. If you look at the regression that should happen based on yards, and when I say regression, that's actually a positive thing in his case. He should have many more touchdowns based on the yards that he was able to produce. He had somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,100 yards, and he missed a few games there. So if you look at the the uh, rookie running backs that were able to break out last year, most of them broke out towards the latter part of last year that he didn't have the opportunity to break out in due to injury. So I honestly believe he would have had a similar arc or similar um, similar projections had he been able to stay healthy. But, you know, what happened happened. But I believe that you're getting a first round talent in the third round. Maybe you're getting or maybe you go uh, tight end there and you get a Waller or a Kittle. And now you have as your number one running back, a guy that can produce first round running back numbers. So that's why, in my estimation, Clyde, um, he's right where he should have been last year when people right. overhyped him. Now mm-hmm. I believe that people are butthurt. And now they're trying to make it seem like he isn't capable of doing what we all knew he was capable of doing last year. So people are making the exact opposite mistake that they made last year. Um, so that's why he's now a value. Bro, I, I just got to say that too. I think CEH is definitely so underrated. I'm, I'm looking at a guy like Jonathan Taylor to regress who's going way higher than him. This guy can catch phenomenally. He wasn't asked to do so so much with Damian Williams doing what he's doing and being an MVP even in the Super Bowl. This year, I think he's going to get a, a way improvement offensive line. Tooney's coming over there. They just got Ronnie Staley from the Ravens. It is time to get this guy the ball. He, he I think he's definitely ready to take that next step. And you said that's a bargain bin. You can go ahead in the second round, come back and still get – a top echelon receiver, like you said, go for the tight end and, and go there. And like you said, not many people are going to think in the third round because that's where Carson is. That's where David Montgomery is. Even sometimes some people, that's when they go for the Pat Mahomes. That guy's a, a, a great pick. Uh, I love CH. I think he has so much upside. I think, honestly, because they get so much volume in that offense, why not he finish somewhere in the top five? I'm, let's just be broad enough to – expound on his potential definitely uh my pick i'm gonna kind of kind of real quick man i want to say something about ch i'm not drinking the juice oh Uh, what nah i mean no nah the guy only topped boy 100 yards twice as a rookie he did miss like three games due to injury and and if you pay attention i mean the chiefs even brought in Le'Veon bell midway through the season you know i mean it's like it started to become evident that they did not view CH abilities in the passing game to, to you know, to be for the expert, as far as the expectations, I don't think he reached that. Like, I, I think they really have a, a, a concern with him as a pass protector. And we all know if you can't pass protect that hundred and some odd million dollar man, you're not going to be in the game. And I think those are the things that's going to keep him off of the field. I definitely think he's the most talented. Uh, running back that they have, it is the most explosive offense in the league. But at the same time, I think his lack of uh, pass pro 
and receiving ability, I, I really think that's going to cut into that snap count. So, the so, snap you, count so do you think that Jared McKinnon is better? Because that's his backup. Well, Jared McKinnon is probably a better receiver. Um, they still have Darrell Williams, right? Yeah, they do. Andy Reid loves Darrell. You'd be Just surprised. Andy Reed actually loves Darrell Williams, man. Okay. So, so to your point, they brought in Bell last year because I don't think they were as confident as they are in CEH this year. They had plenty of time, plenty of opportunities. Hell, there's still plenty of, of, of vet backs out there right now that they could have brought into camp if they didn't have the confidence that I think they, well, they have in him now. You just said they brought in McKenna. So they did bring in somebody. They need you gotta have at least three running backs. I mean you can't go into the season no, but with two no, running no, backs. No, 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 no. They had a guy last year, the uh just the young guy, uh Darwin Thompson. Is he still there? Didn't they let him go? And that's what I'm saying. And that was one of his issues too. Like you man, when you got these high dollar quarterbacks, you already know what time it is. You miss one block, your ass is on the bench. But for who? That's what I'm saying. Like nobody behind him is better in that category. Daryl Williams. Nah. Okay. I'm definitely not I'm, drinking that Kool Aid. No, 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 no. So, no, no, so no, what you no, what no, you're listen, saying no, is Daryl no. Williams is going to take Ceh spot? No, no, no. Is that what I'm saying? I say this is going to affect his snap count. Nah. I mean, Ch is the more uh, talented running back for sure. But when it comes to pass protection, third down, these are some of the downs I think he's going to be off the field. And we also seen last year where he wasn't able to run between the tackles, punch it in. When the short the field got shorter, he disappeared. I just Here's say, in the third round, though, the the guys that are going after him, they aren't even getting passes thrown their way. They aren't in an offense that is half as good as that. So, so again, it's it's also based on where you're getting them and who who else is around that spot. So, who else is around him that you would say that you would draft over him? Uh. Because that would be like your your David Montgomery's of the world, your yeah, Chris I mean, Carson's I, of the I, world. I think he's going maybe around the right area. Um, I'm just not drinking the whole maybe finishing top five, top six type of running backs. What I'm saying. I, I don't know about top five, top six, but I, I think he can finish as a. What I'm saying is he can finish as a, a RB one, um, which means top twelve RB. In, no, in, in, in I, my, I don't. I don't definition. think he. I don't think he'll finish RB one. I can see, but but if he doesn't, I'm not mad. I got him in the third round. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's why he's a value in my opinion. I, I think even maybe someone like a, is RB one. Even someone like a, a Jake, uh, someone like J.K. Dobbins, who's being drafted around the same area as him, maybe. Oh even. no, Dobbins! I got, I got. Now, if we want to talk about it, I got Dobbins higher than him for sure. No, I, but, I think Dobbins will have a breakout but ADP, That's one of my guys. But ADP CH is being drafted before Dobbins. Hmm. Okay. So that's what Whoa. I'm saying. Yeah, let's so. get back on the CEH trade for a minute, and let's, let's not forget. But so even let's look at Westbrook. Let's take it. Let's go old school. Westbrook, Westbrook did Westbrook. not flourish in Andy Reid's offense the first season. True. Lashawn McCoy, we know Shady for all those great years, did not excel in his offense in the first year. True. Again. Who's Jerick McKinnon? Who's Daryl Williams? They literally just bought in. Back to my point, perennial pro bowlers. They went to the Patriots, got Tooney. They went to the Ravens and got Staley. They're back to – they're already all in. And they also – Didn't they get Brown too? Didn't they get a new um uh, yeah. left tackle? Yeah. They got – I think they uh, – it was – yeah, well, that was center. They load, They retooled this offensive line. And to my point again, it just – I know you mentioned earlier, Van, that uh, he's not a great receiver. That's what he got him drafted in the first round. Yep, was the receiver. No, no, I'm not saying he's not a. I'm not saying he's not a, a bad receiver. 
he's but, to me like priest holmes he get to that that's like when i look at how he run he's patient he's decisive did he run did he perform you know after his rookie game where he exploded onto the scene not so much but what's working for him now is that he has a year in the system he was banged up for majority of the system uh this season even to my point week 15 he's out with the hip injury so it's two games of productivity already off his tab he already was hurt for some duration of the season, which is normal with all football players, but he was not. He he didn't come out of college. Oh my God, I'm the best in shape uh, running back like a Jonathan Taylor. And some, as you already know, sometimes too, when you slip, you slip it in the cracks. It does take you a full off season. I, I think you know he to me is better than J.K. Dobbins because he doesn't have a Gus Edwards. He himself That's is true. a commodity in the red zone. And I think in the second year, again, Westbrook did not do good in his rookie season. I, I don't Michelle see I don't do see H, I don't see CH as a commodity in the red zone. I just well, don't see it. I mean, he come out scouts did have him viewed as uh, a really good pass game running back. But again, even the Super Bowl, he's splitting snaps with this same journeyman, Darrell Williams, in the Super Bowl. That same guy. He was splitting snaps with him. So I just don't think I mean, he's in the offseason. I mean, the minicamp, he's been working on his pass protection abilities. But until I see him get better at that, I'm just not drinking that. I mean, so David Montgomery, you taking David Montgomery over him? I think I think they're around the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Yeah, I think they're ET around the same. over him? You know, like no, I think. No, no, no. ETN, I'm not, no, I'm not even fooling with that. That's Zay's thing. ETN is. <laughs> I just think nah. to, Zay, to Zay's point with value, you're getting somebody who has upside to be an RB, not even to me an RB10. I think he can literally be a 5, 6, or 7. See, that's and he, that, and that's the problem I got. That's the 5, 6, 7, I don't see it. And like I say, I think J.K. Dobbins is yeah. going to be more of a red zone threat than CEH. Don't you, what you but think Gus about Edwards that? was butchering the red zone. Just the I same. I mean, Gus Edwards. So was but his quarterback. They, they run the ball yeah. at a higher clip. So it's going to be a lot they more. Uh, Which is why running. I like Dobbins as a value as well. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more running attempts, you know that, in, in Baltimore in comparison to Kansas City who's going to pass the ball a lot more. So, yeah, yeah Gus Edwards is going to get his. But at the same time, I think J.K. would be better in the red zone than C.E.H. You know what I'm saying? If that makes sense, I mean. No, no, no. I definitely could. I see, I see to your point. And, and I'm not – Trust me, I would draft Ceh. Don't get it twisted, fiends out there. You know what I mean. But uh, I just think that I don't. I don't. I'm not buying the top five, top six, seven finish. I just don't. I think his his snap count is going to affect that. I think he has the ability, but until I see him pass protect at a high level, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not buying it. You got anybody else, Joe? Man, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go for a reacher to kind of round this out. I'm going to go with – well, actually, I'm going to be kind of synonymous to who it is. I'm just going to give measurables, okay? We're talking about somebody similar to Tyreek Hill, who, by the way, is 5'9", 185 pounds, runs a 4'2", with a 40-and-a-half vertical. Oh, we already know that's his measurable. So in, in to come the draft, someone that's 5'7", 181, runs a 4'2", unofficial, and a 42-and-a-half vertical. Elijah Moore? Rondell. More. Rondell Moore. Okay. Um, like, oh, it's Kirk Cousins. Oh, it's AJ Green. Oh, they tried it with Andy Isabella. Nobody is cooking how this kid is cooking right now. He is, uh, he's Tyreek Hill. But if not stronger, this kid had 24 bench reps 
And he's that small. He's a great route runner. He's dynamic. And I like the usage they got him with his first game. They got him with five total touches, 39 yards, three catches, 23 yards, two carries, 16 yards. They're getting, they're utilizing him for all his skill sets and just how they try to use Fitzgerald with the quick screens, you know, the little end arounds. No, no, no. This kid does it and he takes it to the house. He's so prolific and way advanced. I think Christian Kurt needs to kind of be worried. And I, that was even one of the reports, too, when they drafted Rondell Moore. What happens to a Christian Kurt? He'll be fine viable guy, Green's viable target. Here. But, you know, within Kingsbury offense, his run game is the quick pass. Similar to a McVay where, you know, the end around is, is, is something that's prominent. The quick pass is a prominent. Enter, you take out Larry, you put in a kid who's going to get it done. And if anything else, take it to the house. I'm going to – he is Tyreek Hill right now. If it, him and Elijah Moore, to me, were the more pro-ready kids, when you look at their tangibles, their route running, their separation. But this kid is special. And I think he's somebody you're going to get as your fifth wide receiver and you give it time. Because, again, with Kyler Murray's offense, let anything happen to A.J. Green, where does it leave you? Anything happen to Kirk Cousins, where does it leave you? They're already showing us that they're going to give this kid all the gadgetries already off the bat within the five touches he already got. All he needs is a crack of daylight. He's taking it to the house. He's going half PPR as a wide receiver, 66, that can return you at best wide receiver 40. If something happened, God forbid, doesn't want to call in, you know injuries to anyone, he's going to shoot up immediately until the top 20. He's already ready to go. I think this is the last piece Kyler Murray needed to finally take on the clean, the, the full air raid with four wide receiver sets. And that's, that's his skill set. He's going to be a fourth receiver in a place that's going to have four, 400 target wide receivers like the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's where I'm saying that who had comparable numbers across the board with their top five, with their top four receivers getting, if not all three of them, the fourth one was Eric Ebron, who had over 80 targets. So he's going to be a fourth receiver with over 80 targets in his productivity. Sign me up. I'm taking them. I'm running to the bank. People are going to think, wow, the fifth receiver? Nope. I'll take it. With the news coming out today, I think he's really going to show up some boards. Um, Larry Fitzgerald came out today and actually stated, stated that uh, he just don't have the urge to play right now. I saw that. So that's 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 some uh, people might want to you know, uh, pay attention to stand sure. by and see, you know, because with a guy with that much time in the game, he could very well wake up in the morning and say, "I retire. I'm out of here." You know what I mean? So um, with with that news coming out, I think Rondell Moore may even shoot up a couple of boards. And there you have it, folks. Real quick, let's take care of business. If you're trying to reach out to us, fantasy football fiend at Gmail, Twitter at fantasy underscore fiend, F E I N, IG, fantasy football fiend, Facebook group, fantasy football fiend family. Young Vanda, give him your info. Uh, Young Vanda, I'm on IG, Twitter. It's the word Young V A N D R. Uh, shoot me a DM if you have any questions, fantasy questions. I'll be sure to answer them in a timely manner. And if you got any questions for Bro Joe, just hit up the uh, the previously stated email, Twitter, IG, and Facebook groups, and we'll make sure that he hits you up um, and gives you whatever information that you may want to get from him. But other than that, we got the advice. It's up to you to use it. We out. Later.